Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Touchdown Review, brought to you by touchdown.co.uk. I'm your host, Mains. Crazy, crazy weekend of NFL. Probably, some would say, the best weekend of NFL football ever. Four amazing games. We're going to talk about them all now. We're going to talk NFC games with Taib and Thomas, and then AFC games with Joe and Callum. We're also going to talk about the New Orleans Saints looking for a new coach. And why was the 2013 Washington football team coaching staff so good, quote-unquote? All will be revealed. Let's get on with the show. And joining me now to talk NFC playoffs, I have Taib and Thomas. How are we, guys? Good, Paul. Thanks for uh, for asking. I'm glad we're here. What a weekend, by the way. I know that everybody's been uh, absolutely delighted with uh, the, the the endings of all the games, but it was genuinely really exciting. I know that I'm quite excited to talk about it, so yeah. Yeah, it's pretty special. Um, Taib, I'm going to start with you. We'll, let's go chronological, as always, in the NFC side. So we'll go Packers versus 49ers. Um, we obviously know that uh, the NFL is split into three types of... of there's Offense, defense, and special teams. But if you're the Packers and your special teams on special, Taib, what should they be called? The Chicago Bears special teams. <laughs> it was. Is that one of the it worst was... special team performances you've ever seen? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but they've been bad all season. I think they were thirty first or thirty second over the. Uh, 17 game regular season so it was kind of coming I think one thing that Green Bay have is the luxury of they don't play a lot of close divisional games generally speaking I know obviously they lost to Minnesota and they kind of lost a dead rubber game to the Lions but generally they're never really in a lot of 3.4 point type of games so it never really came back to haunt them in the regular season but obviously in a playoff game against a very good 49ers team it did hurt them and it's, it's weird because we never ever talk about it until it's a problem and it was a glaring problem on Saturday night, and it cost them their season. I think that's. I think you've raised a, a valid good point. Is that you just? It's one of those things that you just accept is okay for everyone, right? Is that you just accept that our special teams will be okay, and when it's really, really bad, of which theirs was, for those who are kind of unaware of the full details, things such as a blocked. Pump for a touchdown. They only had ten men on the field for the final field goal. It was just one of the all-time worst performances. It then highlights in a what was a obviously a low-scoring game how important special teams can be. Yeah, it really does, and it is a strange one because I think it's difficult for us to say our team X are an outstanding special teams team, and it's really difficult to kind of highlight that we all just kind of universally accept well they're all okay like most NFL kickers these days are very very good most NFL punters are very very good and to be fair to I know he's had a few issues this year Mason Crosby's been generally okay throughout the season mm-hmm. uh, throughout his career sorry yeah but it's just it, like I said it just it, we only ever highlight it when it's really really bad and with it they pro- with the average special teams they're probably playing on Sunday if we move over to the 49ers side, Thomas, yeah, I'm gonna give you some I'm gonna give you some stats, right? Uh, Joe Flacco against the Patriots, uh, four of ten for thirty-four yards, zero touchdowns, and an interception. Um, young Ben Roethlisberger in Super Bowl 40, nine of twenty-one for 123 yards, zero touchdowns and two interceptions. Peyton Manning uh, in the divisional round against Baltimore, fifteen of thirty for 170 yards, no touchdowns and two interceptions. I'll give you one more. Russell Wilson in the in his second NFC Championship game against the Packers, fourteen of twenty nine, two hundred and nine yards, one touchdown and four interceptions. Was Jimmy Garoppolo's performance on Saturday up there with one of the worst performances you've ever seen by a quarterback in a playoff win? Into the pantheon of great underachievers, uh, Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I remember uh, a couple of years ago when the Forty ers went to the Super Bowl last time. They played the the Vikings in a playoff game, I think it was. And I think they ran exactly six passing plays. Um, I just don't think there's any 
trust there for Jimmy Garoppolo to go out and win the game. Certainly not um, after the the way that the Dallas game ended. Um, they just don't. It's 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 a again going back to another I remember, but I seem to remember. I've got, I've got a mate who's an Eagles fan, and when Chip Kelly came in, he was raving about this idea of a quarterbackless offense, and it feels like Charles Shanahan is trying to run a quarterbackless offense in San Francisco to a very high standard. Um, it has to be said, San Francisco offensively on Saturday night weren't particularly good. A lot of that was defensively and on special teams. Um, but it's just kind of, it's, it, you kind of look at it and go, I, I, don't, I don't think Jimmy Crawford is very good anyway, but it's kind of doesn't, it's kind of irrelevant because they're built for him to not really matter. And that's kind of crazy given the, well, given the players that are left in the, and uh, the, the the NFL playoffs at this stage, um, you you couldn't you wouldn't bet against them going all the way at the moment, and it's just kind of like making a mockery of the idea that you have to win a Super Bowl to be considered a great quarterback because he's going to do it. It's, it's it's kind of crazy, right? Yeah, it's it's the um, the the stat that blows my mind is I think he's third on expected points per per pass play. Which leads which leads you to suggest he's good. However, I'm pretty sure that he definitely threw one interception, and if it wasn't for his wide receivers being excellent cornerbacks, he would have thrown at least three more. Um, as someone who supports a team who don't have a quarterback, the thought of my team thinking he is a partial answer fills me with tremendous amount of dread um, I was convinced I watched it on Sunday mo- the final bit of the game on Sunday morning I just I just text people and said like I don't know why you would not play Trey Lance in the championship game I, I, again he's, he's, I, I don't think I don't think Carl Shanahan actually trusts anybody but, and he <laughs> can't trust anyone but himself um, it's just kind of like I, I think I think he he likes Jimmy Garoppolo on the basis that he's just been there before. There's all, even before he was drafted, there was a there was an air, an air around Trey Lance is that he might need a year or two to 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 really get ready. And and in the the cameos that he's had so far, it's always felt very very reserved in the way that they've used him. Um, obviously, um, they, they they like using him on sort of running plays a lot of the time but um when he's had to start he's they've been very sort of safe with him um i just don't think there's a great deal of trust there and obviously given that they've beaten the rams twice already this season i suspect they'll just go back to whatever plan a is um obviously jimmy garoppolo is is plan a but it's like i don't know he's like the the best worst quarterback going right he's just Mm. kind of like he, he just seems to keep skating by being bang average and winning it's, it's it's ridiculous um fair play to him obviously he's making money he's making his money and he's got his team in, in another championship game but it's kind of like how does this keep happening is it just the coaching is it just that team because it's like it shouldn't be happening <laughs> he's doing nothing for the stereotype that pretty people just get away with whatever they want right do you know what i mean it's a disaster exactly <laughs> um let's move on to the elephant in the room on the packers and 49ers type and that is um aaron Rodgers. um i'm gonna say a few things and then let you talk legacy he's a prick um, I, I wish him nothing but ill going forward um, I, I think he's an absolutely wonderful quarterback and a dickhead of a human being um, some of the noises that came out of his mouth pre-game with all those interviews that he decided to do was crazy um, where does this loss however Put him in legacy stakes as a NFL quarterback. Do you think, Taib? See, this is the difficult thing. Obviously, what um, Thomas was saying before in the Garoppolo chat with you don't have to be a great quarterback to have won a Super Bowl. I mean, people like Joe Flacco have won Super Bowl titles, and they would never even make a top fifteen of all time mm. quarterback list. So, I think with Rogers in terms of his legacy in Green Bay, said I think he is their greatest ever quarterback. But I think the defeat confirms that he's not on the level of probably Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Joe Montana in that instance. I think he's probably a level below. And ultimately, I think that's... It sounds harsh, maybe, at some times, but, but I look back and think, like, Tom Brady led a 
game-winning drive in Kansas City what, three years ago with people like Chris Hogan and Julian Edelman. You know? Um, he scored 40 points in the Super Bowl with people like Julian Edelman and Chris Hogan. You know, once Brandon Cooks got knocked out in that Philadelphia game. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers has had outstanding players around him. And yet, for some reason, it's just never quite clicked in the playoffs. And I'm not sure why. Um, and I hate saying this because, again, like, like I'm, I'm a Brady fan. But Brady probably wins that game on Saturday. They probably mm. engineer enough points to get the job done. Um, and for me, it was just another disappointment. So in terms of his legacy as a franchise quarterback for the Packers, I think that was set a long, long time ago. In terms of his legacy within the NFL, he's probably maybe the leader of that tier two group behind Brady and Manning and company. I, I, I was listening to the Athletic Football Show earlier with Mitchell Schwartz and Robert Mays, and they were talking about what would you want your quarterback to be, and they were using um, they were using Rodgers. Well, not necessarily using Rodgers, but they were talking about it in the concept of Rodgers versus Eli Manning. And what I mean by that is, do you want your team to be consistently successful, but only win once, or more up and down, and you win the Super Bowl twice. I think it's staggering, you know better than me, Taib, that the Green Bay Packers have had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for, I guess it's coming up to 30 years now. Yeah, I don't yeah. really... Re- I've been watching it since 92. I, I don't think I remember the Packers not having someone like Rodgers or Favre, and they've won like two Super Bowls. Now, they have been consistently good, that's a good thing, but to have that view is is something is wrong somewhere to have allowed that to happen. Yeah, um, maybe it's a resting on their laurels situation. <laughs> um, I've seen a lot of Packers fans kind of come out and work and say, you know, this is what happens when you don't necessarily build around your quarterback. I feel like the Brian Gutekunst has actually done a pretty exceptional job as general manager building that team on defence and building a solid offence around Rodgers to me it does feel maybe like maybe they get into a false pretense of well listen we win the division almost every year but considering what I watch every year those teams historically aren't very good the other three that the Packers get to play and all of a sudden you're coming up against real opposition you know I mean the 49ers will probably sweep or probably go five and one or six and zero against the rest of the teams in the NFC North. So it's not a massive actual advantage. It's kind of a misnomer to think, oh well, we're really good because we beat the Detroit Lions all the time. It doesn't work like that. And all of a sudden, you've got to go either on the road or you welcome a box team stacked with wide receivers. And it's a different test. And maybe they're just not quite as good as what their regular season record suggests. Hmm. Let's move on to Sunday's game. Um... Bucks v Rams, Thomas. It's Thomas. It's the simplest of simple questions. At what point did the PTSD start kicking in? It's, it's difficult for it to really kick in when it's being referenced every thirty <laughs> seconds, right? See, I like... I saw your tweet. So for those who are unaware, Thomas tweeted Neil Reynolds basically yeah. shut the f up. I was <laughs> like, mate, get on Game Pass. You've got none of that. They're not Alan. Alan, Chris are barely bringing it up. You know, if you go on the internet, the internet is literally exploding with, like, I I got at least four texts off four different people when they scored to make it twenty six to three to say go for two, go for two. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Um, yeah, no. Uh, it was it was a wild one, right? Because it was almost, it, it, it was. I mean, the, the Buccaneers were down and out for the longest time, and then there's that one moment, um, and the whole momentum shifted, and then it was like, oh, we got a fumble, oh, we've got an interception, oh, we've got this, and it's just like it's all gearing up for overtime, and they're going to give the ball to Brady, and they're going to give it to Fournette, and it's just going to go in, and that's. Um, luckily, uh, Sean McVay is a far more. Um, he, okay. The cards on the table. I thought he had a pretty terrible uh, second half. Yeah, Sean yeah agrees. Um, agrees. Uh, on on Sunday, but he went aggressive at the end. He did what you kind of have to do in that situation when it's all going against you: get the ball to your best or your, your one of your more dynamic players and just let them get it done. And they did get it done. Um, 
yeah, I'm I'm in several groups of people that watch, and it's just like, oh, it's twenty eight to three all over again. It's like, yeah, but they've got a defense, and we didn't, so that's kind of it's like, <laughs> they're good. So like, whatever, kind of what I'm over it, kind of things. I'm crying um, on a Sunday evening, but it's just yeah. kind of like, how many times can we let this guy get away with this? Where it's just kind of like somebody, somebody end it. Just, just honestly, just put put us all in a in a happier state by just finishing the game by the third quarter, get it a 40-point lead, and nobody can come back from that, right? Surely no one can come back from that. I'm think, glad that they lost. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those situations, right, isn't it? I, I think you come in a sec, is, is where you go, like, that lead is safe 99.9% of the time. The time it's not is when Tom Brady's the quarterback, and it comes back to the same Rodgers debate. It comes back to the Brett Favre debate. I'll have a debate later on about Josh Allen and whatever. Tom Brady's statistics and what he's done to get to multiple Super Bowls and win multiple Super Bowls skews how difficult being a quarterback and winning a Super Bowl is. It doesn't make any sense. He's been in the league for 20 years and basically reached the Super Bowl 50% of the time. Taib, you were going to dive in and, and, and kind of talk PTSD. Yeah, just on that, it was weird because you know that Saints game where New Orleans won 9-0 against Tampa Bay? Yeah. Watching that game, you never thought, oh, Brady's, Brady's not even going to get like them in the field goal. It's bizarre, this kind of myth of Brady's got in the playoffs. He's just like... It must have been what Michael Jordan was like in in, in the nineties. Hmm. He's like this playoff, like almost like a, a superior being. Hmm. You could see the Rams just—they got so nervous. You know, the Rams sideline felt nervous. Like, holy cow, Brady's going to do this to us now. Brady's going to do this, and it was just it, what could have went wrong for the Rams. Pretty much did until obviously the very end. But it just looked like for all the money in the world, what Thomas said. They're going to get an overtime and Fournette's going to run into the end zone. Well, the thing, know, the, the, the thing that blows thing. me about it is that this happens. And as nobody... The, the, the biggest thing is we're all watching the game. They're 27-3 down and they start making a comeback. And no one's shocked. There's no surprise. It's just like, yeah, yeah, Tom Brady's going to bring them back now. You know... It- the other, the other thing, the thing that I took from it the most was that he didn't even play that well. Uh, it was pretty <laughs> no, awful exactly. for like three quarters, and then it was just like, oh, here we go again. Um, and it was the, it was the, obviously I I I've lived this more than most. Um, it was exactly the same in that Super Bowl where it's just kind of like he was kind of awful for a bit, and then one thing happens, and all of a sudden he's just dialed in, and like, oh yeah. I, 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 I can only dream of being as good at something, literally anything, as Tom Brady is at just putting himself in a position to be successful. Um, obviously, it didn't work this time. There is a lot of talk about whether he's going to come back next year. Obviously, he's going to come back next year. Um, but it's like you wouldn't be at all surprised if like this is just okay well this is what was is fueling us in 2022 now. We're going to look at this one moment and we're just going to blow everyone out of the water. Um, so look forward to that, folks, uh, in 2022. <laughs> Taib, I want you. I want your victory lap. You've been calling Matthew Stafford an elite quarterback for probably as long as you've been watching the NFL. Um, people haven't really seen him, given the fact he's been playing on Detroit and they don't get the primetime games and what have you. Um, he was absolutely magnificent on Sunday. Um, I'm not 100% sure I'm calling cover zero um, on my final play of the game and leaving Cooper Cup wide open, but that's just me. Um, but Stafford still needs to make the plays, and he did. And unlike Dak Prescott, Sly Dig here, he got down to the ball and spiked it so that he could kick the field goal. Yeah, it was. The irony of it all is Stafford left the Lions to no longer play Detroit Lions type of football, and that second half was about the closest the Rams are ever going to look to the Detroit Lions. There was just fumbles and bizarre play calling and just everything that could have went wrong for the Rams in the second half went wrong. And like I said, it was a Lions type of game. People forget he Stafford himself nearly spilled it on that final drive. Yes. But again, he, he like so many times for, he did for the Lions, despite all hell breaking loose around him, he was just the most calm person in a Rams uniform all day, really, on Sunday. Even his guru head coach, I thought, like Thomas said, was pretty terrible. 
on Sunday Sunday afternoon in that game. And for me, it was just a confirmation. It wasn't surprising. I've seen them do this all the time. But the thing is, it's, when it's a week five game against the San Diego Chargers, as it might have been then, no one really cares because the Chargers and the Lions aren't really going to do anything in particular. Or if it was again, sorry for this, but like Washington or one yeah, of those of course, teams. Absolutely, totally. You know, like no one really ever cares. But the fact is, it was against reigning Super Bowl champions in their stadium in a game that looked like the Rams had completely thrown away. But I'll tell you, if you use that Washington example, two years ago, I think, Washington yeah. were miles behind, brought it back, and left about maybe 20 seconds on the clock, and he drove down the field and scored, right? So, as you yeah. said, it, he's done it before. It's just that there was basically me and you yeah. watching the game and no one else was watching it, and that's perfectly reasonable. Why would anybody else want to watch that? Yeah, yeah. No, it is. And um, So, to me... Pretty much watched every throw of Stafford's career. It wasn't surprising what he did on Sunday. It was just the biggest thing I thought to take away from Stafford's performance was the first half. He was exceptionally good in the first mm. half, okay. and I thought that would be my big worry. I've never had an issue with him with fourth quarter comebacks and trying to do everything to win a game because he's always been good at that. There was an Atlanta game last 2020, Thomas. Yeah, with the Todd Gurley touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Um, that then gave the Lions too much time on the clock to get the ball in the end zone and so he's always had that but he's always had kind of a daft throw in him like a kind of liking up to Brett Favre for all of his amazing throws he'll always make kind of one stupid throw and he didn't do that on Sunday and that was why he was so good and like I said it's, it's, he was you look at the guys surrounding him and I know Thomas might disagree like the guys drafted in and around his time period so Matt Ryan was there Cam Newton came a few years later I think Jamarcus Russell obviously was two years before etc Stafford was supposed to be the guy of that era and obviously Matt Ryan's had probably a more successful career um, and he's been an outstanding quarterback but in terms of talent I think Stafford did edge it it's just for 12 years he had to carry basically a broken franchise on his back which basically caused him two back operations I think Matthew Stafford is the ultimate example of why wins are not a quarterback statistic and anybody that uses wins as a quarterback statistic is just well in, uh, misled or misunderstanding what they are seeing because he has been um, a very very good quarterback for a long time and now he's on a team that has the talent that is capable of maximizing what he has um it's and obviously i know that they're your team it's it's a shame it didn't happen five or six years ago um but that's not for now um it's a shame that detroit didn't make it work i'm glad that he's having this uh, renaissance and obviously we'll see how far it goes with them um, yeah I'm, I'm delighted for him it was a massive thing on Lions fans saying oh like we shouldn't be like people shouldn't be supporting Stafford and I'm like for as much as I'm not one for telling people who to cheer or not to cheer Stafford gave two hip surgeries two back operations multiple concussions separated shoulders he basically gave his entire body for a franchise that didn't deserve it you know, like his misfortune was that he got drafted by a team that went 0 16. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's on a team where he's got players around him. He doesn't have to be Superman. And even when he does, he still gets the job done, like he did on Sunday in the end. Uh, I was going to talk about Tom Brady, but I'm not. I'm going to pivot slightly to NFC South. Um, as we were just about to record this, um, Sean Payton, it's been announced that Sean Payton is going to. Depending on who's beat to, either retire or take a leave of absence. Slack and Forest suggesting leave of absence. Um, um, he is contracted till 2024, I think, um, till, till such time as he can become the new Cowboys coach. Um, I guess, Thomas, you get to do the lap of honour on um, saying goodbye to Sean. So um, don't forget, there is a possibility that we could be sued. The latest, mate. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> delighted. <laughs> um, I, uh, I I never liked him. Um, listen, right? Uh, obviously, the, the situation he walked into. We, well, I, I support a pretty awful team across across its history. Like there is a four-hour documentary by um, uh, SB Nation's um, YouTube channel, um, Secret Base, about the history of the Atlanta Falcons. Which, if you haven't watched it, I urge you to because it's incredible. Um, but also, it just highlights just. What a dreadful franchise the Atlanta Falcons have been for, I don't know, 55 years at this stage. Uh, the New Orleans Saints came into the league a short while afterwards 
and were equally as bad for a long time um for for the longest time and and uh, it, it's I mean, there's a, there's always been this there there is this rivalry between the two, um, no matter and no matter how good one team are, no matter how bad the other team are, every single game comes down to um, a single play here here or there, um, and up until two thousand and oh, five or six, whenever Sean Payton came in, the Falcons were on top by virtue of being the least worst of the two. Sean Payton did change the New Orleans Saints and turn them into a respectable okay a viable franchise to win uh to win games on and, and subsequently win titles on so fair play to him for turning around a pretty disgusting franchise winning wise now in the way that he did that he uh I don't want to get too far into it because I probably got a bunch of facts wrong he uh <laughs> He, uh, he, he led an illegal uh, bounty scan, uh, scandal, which led to him and the general manager being um, uh, banned for a full season. They lost um, uh, draft picks uh, throughout this, this season. They won the Super Bowl, may I add. Um, obviously, they have there's there's a bunch of other stuff uh, as well to do with uh, uh, Viking, I think. Again, I'm not, not going to say exactly what's going on because I don't know, know myself, but I just think he's a pretty disgusting human being. Um, and I'm glad he's gone both because I don't want to see the Falcons lose anymore to the Saints, but also because there's going to be, there is a, there is a myth around Sean Payton. Don't get me wrong. Incredible football coach has done great things. Not a really good, not a very good human being. A lot of that in the NFL I've noticed, by the way, a lot of mm-hmm. really talented people that just don't turn out to be very nice people. Um, be that retirement, be that leave of absence, he's probably earned it. Um, all said and done, I don't think anybody wants to go into 2022 with the Saints cap situation being the way that it is, knowing that they're probably going to have to overpay for Jameis Winston to get a professional quarterback in. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad that he's gone uh, for, for, for my sake, for our sake. Um, the league's better for it, and he's going to be Dallas coach next. And uh, Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy, uh, Mike McCarthy has uh, has moved on. I reckon uh, so Mick that, McCarthy yeah. would probably do a better job as that Dallas Cowboys head coach than Mike McCarthy. <laughs> I you would endorse that move. You didn't. I was endorsed. I was endorsed, <laughs> Mick. I, I love Mick. To be fair, um, Dower man. Um, what I would say is. Tell you, but on on the Peyton thing, um, if I was going to leave a franchise, um, I would probably leave it when I have a choice between Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, and I've left them in such cap mess that they may be in cap hell for the next ten years. Oh yeah, like whoever walks into that job next as the head coach alongside Mickey Loomis in that front office, that's a massive rebuilding job. You think like is what Thomas said before. The Saints were kind of an irrelevant. No, well, they were an irrelevant franchise yeah. before Breeze and Peyton walked in there in what 2006, mm. and both of them have gone in the space of two years. That's an enormous rebuilding job now. Obviously, they got some key free agents coming up as well. Who knows how they're going to kind of juggle the cap situation around? But I feel like it's a head coaching job that's going to have to have someone come in with a little bit of experience as a head coach because that's a lot to take on for someone that hasn't been a head coach before because it's such a massive job. Um, the one thing I would say on Sean Payton, while I know Thomas is obviously kind of skewed with his bias a little bit, um, I think his biggest thing is there probably wouldn't be a New Orleans Saints franchise without Sean Payton because after the Katrina season, people forget that they were forced to relocate and there was talk that they would never even come back to New Orleans because such was kind of the dire situation of that franchise in New Orleans it wasn't a viable NFL franchise at all the fact is like now the Dome and that great Falcon Saints rivalry part of it is down to what they achieved in the 15 or so years that they were there so I think his his imprint has been massive Um, but I do feel like it's sabbatical not necessarily retirement yeah agreed agreed on that final thing for me um NFC title game is um, Rams v 49ers uh, Packers obviously lost um, in 2013 the Washington football team went 3-13 and um, the head coach was Mike Shanahan, no longer a, a coach obviously, however I just want to highlight some of the coaches who were involved in that team, offensive coordinator was Kyle Shanahan, now 49ers head coach quarterbacks coach was Matt LaFleur obviously Green Bay Packers coach. Tight ends coach was a, a little known man named Sean McVay, now 
Los Angeles Rams coach and defensive backs coach was Raheem Morris. So never think that because a staff have a bad roster or have a bad season that it doesn't have good coaches on it. It is very easy to be at a bad franchise like Washington and lose a load of games and still be really good at your job. So if your team is looking for a new head coach and they are brought up with teams who are not very good and coaches inside those things, don't be too concerned. Trust the process. In similar fashion, don't expect a offensive coordinator of a great team to be automatically great as a head coach. It'd be nice, but it's not always the case. Just bear these things in mind, people. Thought I'd let you know, and I I looked at this yesterday, and it made me completely sad, and I wanted to cry, so I thought I'd bring it up on the pod. Taib, Thomas, thank you very much for your time. I will let you go, and we'll speak to you after the NFC title game. I'll speak to you next week. I'll speak to you next week. And joining me now to talk AFC side of the Divisional Weekend, it's Calum Squires and Joe Valenzuela. Hi guys, how are we? Hi Paul, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty good after last weekend too. <laughs> what what a weekend, Joe, we'll start with you first. Um, yep. t- Titans-Bengals, you are um, intimately aware of, of obviously the, the Bengals playing them twice this year. Beating them twice as well. Um, is has Joe Burrow moved himself up the quarterback eliteness ladder? Given given the kind of what 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 would be described as not necessarily spectacular performance um, by throwing, but just the fact that you know his his offensive line was basically me, you, and Callum, and <laughs> I, I I probably would have ran further away. Of Jeffrey Simmons than they did, but he yet sacked nine times and still win the game. You probably done something right. Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't think you. It's hard for me to say he played bad. Just like you said, he was getting pressured all game, but he didn't. You know, he didn't do anything insane. Um, so hmm. I, I don't know if I, I think, uh, you know, more highly of him. Just sometimes I feel like a team, it just for one reason or another, just on paper they should be better and they're not uh, so the Titans were if you look at them um, the you know Brian Tannehill and that offense the last couple of years is the reason they've uh, gotten to their point obviously Derrick Henry and then they make a big signing in budget free and I kept thinking before the game you know you you spend all that money so he can dominate a game like this and he I mean he played well Harold Landry played well and then Simmons I mean they got after him all day and it just the Titans just got in their own way um, a lot of it was coaching I feel like I know people want to give Tannehill a hard time, and he obviously didn't play his best, but I think he's getting a little – the criticism is a little harsh. The first play of the game, uh, you know, as you guys know, they have a script, and they practice probably the first play all week. I mean, for something they saw on film, they told him, you're going to go to Julio on this play. Obviously, you probably shouldn't have thrown it, but, I mean, the coaching is telling him that right there is going to be open. So you throw a pick the first game, the first play – you have a pick on a, a bubble route, which is basically you're going to throw it no matter what. I mean, it's too late to see him. And then the last pick he had was, that's the inexcusable one. Um, in theory, maybe a, it's a decent route to throw, but it was good coverage. But you cannot throw to anyone but A.J. Brown or Julio Jones, I think, in that situation. And then, um, I mean, Derrick Henry fights his ass off to get back into playing shape. Um, and obviously he wasn't the same. And I think Foreman probably gave him a better chance to win. But what do you do? Like, do you... He wasn't an embarrassment. I mean, he was getting three points something to carry, which isn't, you know, in the playoffs, that's not terrible, um, especially when it's a team that you basically know that they're going to try to pound the ball. So it just it didn't work out, and it's they're not going to have a better chance to have success than that. I mean, Tannehill's in his mid-30s now. Derrick Henry, how long can he last with that, that workload? And I just – that was their, their last really good window, I think, unless they go on some sort of magical run this year. Um, it's I think it's more that game to me was more the the Titans losing than the Bengals winning because mm-hmm. the Bengals to me, you, can you think of anything when you look back on the game and think, wow, they they won that game, or did you feel like the Titans lost it? 
Yeah, I think I think the I agree with you. I think the interesting thing is that's true, but I've been watching the NFL since '92, and the Bengals have lost that game a hundred percent of the time. So no, they probably didn't win it per se, but them not losing it is probably one of the biggest steps forward in the franchise in a very long time. And one one more quick thing, I think. Pretty much everyone on the planet can agree. One of the best picks of the draft is drafting a kicker in the fifth round. I mean, he's four for four, um, <laughs> and he makes a fifty-plus yarder on the road against the number one seed to Sydney to the AFC Championship. I mean, that 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 kick doesn't happen for more than five kickers maybe in the league. Just the pressure yeah. and, and how old he. I mean, Tucker makes it. I think maybe Carlson and. And uh, Butker, but it's a, it's a short list, so that's a great that's a great pick from them. Um, and they you know they're going to move on. So I think that's all I got to say about that game. Yeah, I, I think I think on the on that um, my favorite part of it is that allegedly um, before McPherson went up to to get it. He walked. He was about to walk out, and he turned to his right and said to the guy next to him, "Looks like we're going to the AFC title game." Then ran on the pitch and kicked it. Um, Callum, um, they used. To, I used to listen to uh, the around the NFL podcast, and they used a concept called the Dalton line. And the Dalton line was kind of a quarterback line where, if you had a quarterback above it, you'd be happy. If you had a quarterback below it, you you weren't going to go anywhere. It, it's that. Now a kind of Tannehill line, you know, Tannehill's going to be paid, I think, somewhere in the region of $39 million next year. They, he seems like a serviceable quarterback, but it's tough to know if he's going to get over the line. Yeah, completely. Um, I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily what I would use as the middle of the pack. I think he's probably slightly above average, but I also think that, you know, kind of the next step up from the Dalton line is this what you kind of started saying at the very beginning here is that elite line where I think it's now patently obvious that you're not going to win a Super Bowl without someone above the elite line now I think Tannehill is above the hypothetical Dalton line but he's unquestionably below the elite line and that's the problem for Tennessee um so whether they you know I don't I don't hear noise about them moving on from him I mean like you said it's a big contract um but I think part of Joe Burrow's success on Saturday, you know, was not needing to do too much to prove that he is elite. You know, you guys were just talking about not losing the game as opposed to making sure you won it. But the the throw he made to Jamar Chase to get them into field goal range. Yeah. No, you've got to find the open guy. And then when you are able to do that, you know, to hit the right guy at the right time. That that that's the level of play that you need from your quarterback in that moment. And Burrow did that, you know, wore off a duck's back, and very easily, you know, as soon as the pick happened, you felt like, okay, well, since you can win this, you know, other teams, you'd be like, well, do, do we? Are they just going to run it out for overtime? And Burrow's there. Nope. Couple plays into field goal range, and obviously, yeah, as Joe said, you know, huge credit to McPherson for what he's done all season. You know, I think he only had that mm-hmm. one win against Green Bay where both he and Crosby just considered yeah. every field goal a miss um, but but generally speaking he's been fantastic from start to finish and you know credit to credit to the Bengals for, for finding that right guy for their organisation um, I do think Burrow is in that elite group of quarterbacks he's he's obviously not yet on a team that is quite as good as the, or the Bills are going to get to um, but you know when you talk about the the elite level of quarterback play in in the NFL as a whole, but certainly in the AFC, I mean, it's hard to see in the next few years quarterback other than Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Burrow, Jackson. That's probably it that I can think of. Depending on you, John Watson comes back um, in the AFC. Th- those are kind of the, the players that you're looking at as being AFC title contenders for the next decade. This is a problem for for you two. Um, it's not a problem for me because my team's rubbish on it in a completely different conference. But I do think that it's a it's a very good point, and it was something that I was going to bring up. Is that right now? You know, you watch that Chiefs Chiefs Bills game, which we'll come on to. You look at how Herbert played. You look at how Burrow's played, and if you are the Browns with the decision to make on Baker, 
the Dolphins with the decision to make on Tua. A vast majority of other teams who still got decisions or thought processes on what you what what you do, and you start to think, do I pull the trigger? I was asked a question uh, from a friend of mine in terms of like from Washington, would you take Jimmy? And my thing was, I'd rather take draft one of the rookies that I don't know as much about because he could turn out to be someone rather than know what I'm going to get from Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah. which is kind of Blair, if you know what I mean. I think that's generous. Blair is way above where I would rank him. Yeah, I, uh, I said it was one but, of the... We talked about it earlier. I I, just, I put it in what in a list of about five or six of the worst playoff performances by a winning quarterback ever. Well, he's, he's 3-0 and when he throws zero touchdowns, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Um, you know, they have a recipe for success. He's been <laughs> yeah, a exactly. life. He, he's got a charmed life down there in San Francisco. The fact that he's being held up by his defense and the incompetency of his opposition to to win playoff games with no touchdown passes. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. You know, I think you know for me, Baker's that Baker's that difficult situation where he's definitely above. Uh, I think Baker's probably above the Tannehill line for me. That yeah, some people agreed. would. That. But he's again, he's below the borough line. So, you know, there are teams out there that you have to kind of accept we're going to be good enough to be in the hunt and not good enough to win the whole thing. And I think there is a danger of teams moving on from a quarterback too quickly, thinking the grass is always greener when it really, really isn't. The last thing that I'd wish on anybody is to be saddled with Kirk Cousins. So, you know, it's 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 a difficult balance to strike. You know, for me as a Dolphins fan. I'm looking at Tua and I'm saying you are not Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Patrick Holmes, or Lamar Jackson. But you're also not Dwayne Haskins yeah. or potentially Mason Rudolph in, in exactly. Pittsburgh. And that's a good thing. So, you know, do I do I trust Zach Wilson yet? No. You know, so for, for me, you, sometimes you have to realize that not every team has a chance of winning the Super Bowl every year. Can I tell you? Certain teams need to be understanding that you're you're building for the future rather than for the immediate present. It, it, it's correct, and Joe, we talked about it earlier on the NFC side. Is that like Rogers has only won one Super Bowl and Eli Manning won two, but you've had that consistent winning habit and consistent winning record where the Giants were either you know winning the Super Bowl or having five wins. And the question is like which one do you want? And as a franchise. As a fan, although those two games are spectacular, you probably want to be a consistently winning franchise. Yeah. Just let's move on to Chiefs Bills. Um, Joe, can you remember a better playoff game you've ever seen? Um, the, the two that, that right when you said that came to mind, um, maybe not better, but certainly like I remember. Watching and thinking, like, wow, that's that's a historic game. Was the the Chiefs and the Patriots when Brady beat Mahomes that first year? That was a classic. And then the the Atlanta Super Bowl um, when the Patriots came back. That was, you know. And I, I I definitely want to talk about this game. But one one thing I forgot to mention: we have given Zach Taylor a flack, and I don't know if that was him or Callahan, but they called a perfect play. They knew uh, Janoris Jenkins was going to play inside shade with the safety over the top. And the only route they have is like a 20 yard corner. And he, I, like he said, he put it on the money, but um, I do want to give him some credit there. But yeah, that game. And I'll, if anyone wants to go back and listen to last week, I think we called it to a T. We said it was going to be a classic. Um, and basically who had the ball last was going to win the game. And I, was watching with my girlfriend. She didn't care when I told her this, but when they had 13 seconds left, I said, they're going to go score. She said, okay, like, I don't care. But I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have a doubt. Um, and I remember thinking, when I look back at that game, there's certain things that, that dictated the way it went. Um, and whether it's fair or not, Tyree Kill's punt return, I think in a way, maybe – changed McDermott's mindset like to not kick off which is crazy because when you look back at it Mike Hughes was still back there they should have kicked it off whether it was a squib or a deep kick if if I'm looking at you and I say would you rather have a chance that Mike Hughes takes a kickback into field goal territory or for a touchdown or do you want to give Pat Mahomes 
two plays with two timeouts, so he can run basically anything. And then when you go out there, it, which is crazy to me, um, that you don't press them. You play off. I, I could not – I think the Kelsey one was a little more understandable, but that first play to Tyreek Hill to give them 19 free yards like that was crazy to me. So, obviously, like, they have these historic performances, but at the end of the day, coaching can prevent some of that. And it just – they the Bills – they didn't. They didn't give themselves an honest chance. And I remember, you know, obviously, I think anyone who watched that, whoever got the ball in overtime, was going to win. And that was the first time I really. And I, this is before all. Like I read everything online. I was like, God, I wish Josh Allen would get the ball here um, too, because I know that Mahomes is going to go down and score. I mean, it was the same feeling as when Atlanta uh, had to play defense against the Patriots. So you're like, it's just a matter of how many plays and are they going to, you know, run or pass it in. Mm-hmm. So. So, so many crazy, crazy plays. Uh, who thought Gabriel Davis was going to have 200 yards and four touchdowns? I can't think of a better performance ever by a receiver in any circumstance, like with everything given, which is crazy because you have Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox, um, Cole Beasley. And then we talked about Josh Allen was going to be a huge factor, um, obviously passing, but with his legs. And they, they had so many plays where he, he bailed them out. I mean, remember that, that fourth down where he pumped fake like three times and then kind of scrambled out so the game went basically exactly how I thought it was gonna go and um it, it felt to me like I wasn't really around for Jordan but definitely it's in turn it's been Michael Jordan and LeBron James right I think we can all agree that that's how it goes and now it's I think pretty obvious it's Tom Brady Patrick Mahomes it's and then that'll be that that that's that Mount Rushmore for this generation um barring anything crazy so uh, that felt like the Super Bowl. I mean, mm. who, who, is anyone gonna look look at me with a straight face and say, "Oh, someone's gonna beat the Chiefs"? No way, no way. And my Josh Allen, um, I was always a little bit of a skeptic. No, Josh Allen's top five quarterback. And my friend was telling me, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. He's like, Joe Burrow's better quarterback than Josh Allen. I'd like Joe Burrow. Is Joe Burrow putting those kind of points on the board? I mean, Josh Allen was like a god out there. He some of the what I don't, I mean, if you know football, you can process how good he was. But just to the average person, you don't realize what kind of performance he did. Like all things considered, it was. I, I wouldn't take Rogers over him right now. Um, I know that might be crazy, but like he's twenty five. That's, and then I have to think about the Baker thing. I love Baker, and I think Baker's got a really high ceiling, but. I don't think anybody except maybe the Bills for an obvious thought this coming, obviously, or anyone would have traded up for him besides Kansas City. So, hell of a game. Um, I don't think we're going to watch anything as close to as fun the rest of the postseason. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I remember thinking, like, this is this is the highlight of the season. I really don't care who wins the Super Bowl. This is, like, the Super Bowl to mm-hmm. me. Um, so, yeah, just so, so grateful for football. God, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I do... I... Callum, I do look, and I think Joe raises like a valid point right on on Josh Allen. A lot of there's a lot of people deleting a lot of tweets. A lot of people hoping the freezing cold takes don't find what they put out on Twitter. But what it also does is there'll now be a load of teams who will try and find the next quote unquote Josh Allen and fail miserably because you know it's not that easy. He wasn't the finished article, but he's worked really, really hard, and he's now spectacular and trying to find someone who's going to do something similar is going to be very, very difficult. Yeah, I mean, the Bills deserve immense credit for that, and I I will touch on that in just one second, but I did first just want to raise the point that Joe's two favourite playoff games end in Tom Brady, massive comeback victories, which I'm going to take it... (laughs) No, I'm not a big Brady guy, but I remember just thinking, I'm going to appreciate this greatness because he... I mean, those were all-time performances. Uh, no, I'm teasing you, Joe. I, 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 it's hard. Wait, do, do believe you me. I've just had, I've just had, I just did a therapy session with Joe, with uh, Thomas on PTSD on the 27th when it was 27-3 in in um, Rams Rams books before. So yeah, we've we've done the come, we've done that comeback game. Don't worry. No, I mean you know it's just I'm still traumatized at the fact that I had to sit there and. Uh, and here or the glad handing after the Patriots won but no I mean look um, the Bills deserve immense credit for what they've done not just this season but over the last four seasons I mean you know they clearly had a plan they drafted at the right time for their organisation they got the right quarterback they've allowed him to grow they haven't rushed it they haven't forced things 
they made the trade when it was relevant to get um, to get big. Um, you know, they've really they've really kind of taken their time in putting it. All- Go. Sean McDermott and the coaching staff have done an incredible job. Um, and, you know, Joe, you rightly highlighted Gabriel David. That was kind of unlike anything that, that we've seen before. You know, four, four touchdowns for the first time in history. And you think about the calibre of receivers that we've seen have incredible success in the playoffs. And, you know, Jerry Rice didn't do that. So, you know, credit to Gabriel Davis. Yeah. I, I'm really sad for him that it ended up being in a in a losing effort I I had a tweet typed out with 30 seconds left RIP all the tables in Buffalo congrats to the Bills what an achievement and something in my head as as Joe turned to his girlfriend and said they're going to score something in my head said you don't want to tweet that just yet and I woke up on on Monday morning and went to my drafts and it was still there and you know uh, the Bills had that game won I mean you just have to you have to be sick for Buffalo um, because they really, I do think they deserved a chance to go to the next level. But, you know, at this stage, I'm not unhappy with either the Bills or the Chiefs. I think they're both great teams to watch. I agree with Joe 100%. That was the Super Bowl for me. I think that game was going to go on to win it, especially uh, after the Packers had been somehow eliminated. I think yeah. those were the three teams for me, uh, Bills, Packers and Chiefs. And I mean, you know, could... Could the Rams, with all their talent and their defensive front, cause Mahomes problems? I mean, yes. You look at what the Bucks did last year in the Super Bowl, and which is another game I'm still traumatized thinking about. But you know, it's 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 definitely possible that there could be you know an NFC challenge from one of those two defenses. But at the end of the day, I can't really imagine many neutrals saying, "Hey, yeah, we want to see the Rams or the Niners win over the Chiefs." When you just think about how exciting and how good the Chiefs are to watch. I have a question for both of you. Um, if we go similar in terms of we talked about Atlanta and, and New New England and the, what what happened after that, given the the way they've lost these last two games against Kansas City, especially this last one, do you expect the Bills to just recover from this, or do you think this could be like a a, a blow to? Psyche that could affect them for a year or two. Start with start uh, with think, start with Joe. Yeah, I, it's uh, they're not going to come back from this. I don't think. I mean that. Uh, I don't think so. I don't. I think they'll be good, but yeah, I I can't imagine them. Uh, can you guys think of a time where it happened twice? I, I just can't even think of a time where it hurts that bad for them to be able to bounce back. I I can't imagine them putting that kind of fight up again. I mean, that took every single ounce of everything they had, and they that's the best team the Bills have had probably ever. I mean, they could beat any Bills team of all time, and they that wasn't enough. Unless Pat Mahomes gets hurt or something, I, I just, like I said, sometimes a franchise is just cursed. I mean, what did, like, they, what, they have to wake up and think, what do we have to do? We did everything right. Everything went the way we wanted it to. We had to lead with 13 seconds at Arrowhead. Josh Allen played the game of his life. Josh Allen will probably never play a game that good again. I mean, I think he'll play great, but he was out of this world. Can you? It's just, uh, I, I would, I would be, I, I feel bad for that. I don't even care about the Bills. So I'm like, God, if that was the Browns, I would not expect us to like come back from that. I don't even. I think that was probably why we didn't. This year, and it wasn't even a. I mean, it was a heartbreaker to get out of the Browns game, but that game, oh my God! I, I, I hope I'm wrong because I love Josh Allen, but I, I don't know. If he, I don't know if any quarterback can do that multiple times in the playoffs like that. You know, situationally, Mahomes is gonna be that guy. He's Tom Brady. I mean, he's the next Tom Brady. He's been to four straight AFC championships. People that doesn't just wake up and you know he doesn't just wake up and do that. That's that's going to keep happening. So, like I said, obviously I could be wrong, um, but oof, that I, I don't think the Bills are going to bounce back and, and win the AFC next year or the year after. What do you think, Colin? I think, yeah, well, I, I think it's... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it step, step way at a time. I think the Bills will still run the AFC East for years to come. But yes. obviously, 
day the aim is not to win the AFC East on its own. Um, the Bills are clearly the best team in the AFC East. You know, you, you know, as a Dolphins fan, I guess I'm hoping that we can find a way to, you know, prove that Mac Jones is a fraud and that the Patriots dropped a third. Um, but I don't think either the Dolphins or the Patriots are going to compete with the Bills any time in the next few years. In reality, Josh Allen is too good. What I would say is I'm a little bit heartened by how they took the defeat, if that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> it's it's difficult because obviously it was heartbreaking. Obviously, it's gut-wrenching. Obviously, it's twice in a row. But Allen was very level-headed after the defeat. He spoke very well. And that's not to say that they're accepting defeat. But it's they realize the size of the task in front of them, so they're going to take it seriously and trying to find ways to you know finally get over that hurdle. But equally, they're not going to have their kind of insides ripped out by a defeat in the way that sorry to bring up you know the Falcons. The Falcons have been by the twenty-eight to three because you know you know and I know Will I won't want to hear it, um, but you know the Falcons have not recovered from that no. in any way. They've. No. From yeah, from yeah. having you know Matt Ryan at the peak of his powers and Julio Jones, they've completely crumbled to a point where now, you know, I, I like Kyle Pitts a lot. Um, Cordero Patterson's kind of found a way to be weirdly quite useful, but the Falcons aren't going anywhere in the next five years. There's no chance. You know, there's there's nothing good about the Falcons organization right now. Um, on the flip side, the Bills do have all the pieces. Now, are they going to lose a couple? Probably. You know, that's what turnover is season to season. But I wouldn't be surprised to, to see the Bills back in the AFC Championship game, you know, next season. I do think we'll get Bills Chiefs again in big in big stages like this. Now, can you win those games? That's another question. But I, I certainly don't think, you know, you're going to see the Bills go 10-7 and 7 next year. You know, no. finding, I, think, I think the Bills are a 13-14 win team. For years to come, guaranteed. And Josh Allen is that good. I mean, you know, I I saw someone on TV saying that Josh Allen was Patrick Mahomes' equal, and I I just think you can't quite say that based on the success. No. Had. But he is very, very, very close, very close. And I take your point, Joe. Allen may never have a you know a performance quite to that level again, but he'll get close. And you yeah. know, Bills will learn from this. You know, Gabriel Davis is going to be a year older. There's going to be of plenty of talent on that Bills roster for years to come and I, I do think Mahomes and Allen can be you know the next Brady and Manning, Manning as, as has been said all week you know it's cliche to say it um, but you know really I think you're then looking at people like Burrow and Herbert as you know the Roethlisbergers of this world who were just kind of hoping for one year they could sneak in there and get to a championship yeah. on a run and win Super Bowl um, it, it it does feel, you know, I, I mean, the Chiefs, the law of averages says Mahomes is not going to have a 100% AFC title. Even, top, yeah, exactly. even as good as he is. Someone will get hurt, something will happen, there'll be a free run of games where they, you know, they, they lose. But, you know, what what this weekend, should, above all else is, and, and this is where the Bengals were very clever about a month ago, the only way to not leave too much time for Patrick Mahomes is to give him no time. The Bengals rolled the dice and won that game against the Chiefs a few weeks ago because mm. they refused to kick the field goal early and they ran the clock and ran the clock and ran the clock at the risk of potentially fumbling. Yeah. But they made sure Mahomes didn't get the ball. And, you know, if you can do that with 13 seconds, I, I don't think there's ever anything that's out of, you know, out of put the, the realms of in the, At that stage, at that time, yeah, fair enough, you've got the timeouts, but you've still got to execute. And he's got incredible weapons around him but you know people on twitter were saying oh you've left too much time on the clock for patrick mahomes ha 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 with 13 seconds but they did yeah but they did and that's the sense now that the only way to guarantee that mahomes is not going to mahomes you is just he never touches the ball or the clock strikes zero before he has a chance it's uh it's a weird one but i i'd I'd expect the bills to bounce back you know in a decent i think if, if if we if we do do three things on what what you guys have said there. Patrick Mahomes is the first person to ever host four 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 AFC type consecutive AFC title games. They're the first four years he started as a quarterback. That's just frankly preposterous. Um, Josh Allen isn't playing in the title game, and in his last two games, 
against the Bills and the Chiefs, she's thrown nine into nine touchdowns and only had fifteen incompletions. Um, the other thing I would say is if we if we do Brady Manning, um, it took a number of years for Peyton Manning to win that game. So mm-hmm. he lost numerous times in numerous different heartbreaking slash big ways against the New England Patriots before he got over the line. So don't be surprised if it's not next year or the year after, but it may be the year after that. We'll see. Final question well, for both of you. Where do you stand on the overtime rule, Joe? Both. I think they both need it. Um, in my, like anyone cares what I want, is both <laughs> quarterbacks to have a full possession, like a full, full field, and then if that doesn't work... I think it'd be cool if they just started first and goal. Go just, go 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 kind of college. So first of all, yeah, pro and then go college. Them. Yeah, but and Paul, I want to just say one more thing. Tell me, I, I just feel like this is so imperative. The Bills are going to do if they're going to hit that next step. I think they have to in their all year next year. They have to focus. We have to win the AFC. We need to play that game in Buffalo. Yeah, agreed. Right and. And then the other thing I was thinking about Mahomes, um, because it's so easy to compare him to Brady. When we think about Brady, Brady won all those Super Bowls early on, and then he went through a pretty long stretch of they basically had to rebuild that roster once he started getting paid, and I can kind of see that happening. Because um, obviously he's going to win multiple Super Bowls, but I think there is definitely going to be a time where there is a rut, so that's when Buffalo would need to strike because Kelsey's going to get old fast. I think that's just he's already – going to be in his mid-30s next year and they're just it's going to be hard to build a roster with Mahomes getting paid like that eventually they'll I think they'll figure it out because people won't take pay cuts to go play for him but that's that's how I see that going but the most prevalent thing is I think Buffalo has to play that game in Buffalo next year because this uh the just the optics of, of Arrowhead is it's just I, it's too tough for me to, to fathom them overcoming at this point with this current roster Callum what would you do at overtime yeah, I would just like to know that I agree with absolutely everything Joe said at the end there about home field advantage. Clearly, it makes a huge difference. Mm. Um, as far as overtime goes, I mean, I, th- I think the irony in all of this is that there were reports coming out from that aforementioned Chiefs-Patriots games that Brady stole in 2019 that Chiefs had campaigned for the overtime rules to change then. And yeah. now they're uh, you know, the other side of benefit- benefiting from that. You heard Josh out today. Hey, you know the rules are the rules. If it was the other way around, we'd be celebrating as well, which you know I really respected in the heat of the moment to have that kind of level-headed nature. As someone who enjoys football, like Joe was talking earlier, I love this. I'm quite happy with them playing forever. I, you know, I, <laughs> you know, until someone they else, might still be playing. Yeah, but you know, who would be complaining? I would have, been, nah. I would have stayed up till five a.m. U.S. time. Let alone, I would have loved people to have wake up and on the work on the way to work and in the UK on Monday morning still be watching it on their commute you know I, I, I you know that's there's, there's a part of me that likes um, that likes a, an occasional wager and you know life's too short to bet the under and all that so you know give me more points rather than less points let them let them score and score and score the uh, the Texas A&M LSU game if you're yeah. a college head from a few years ago springs to mind which ended up being 74-72 I think something outrageous like that you know that's what I want, you know. If you're gonna if you're gonna give me carte blanche to make the decisions, I'm just gonna say we'll play until one of you scores a touchdown and the other team doesn't. I mean, want to be more realistic? I totally agree. There has to come a time in the playoffs where both quarterbacks need to touch the ball. I mean, you know, I don't think anybody's gonna complain if you keep the the rules as they are for the regular season. No one cares if in week five, you know, Josh Allen doesn't get the ball. But at this point, after that game the narrative is going to be changed by the fact that Josh Allen doesn't touch the ball. So, yeah, you know, if you want to make it, you have to go for two, fine by me. If you want to make it, it's from the 25 rather than full field to speed things up, fine by me. But I I do think there comes a point where, you know, both quarterbacks need to touch the ball. I get the idea that, you know, you have to play defense. But also, you know, read the room. Like, nobody was unhappy if Josh Allen got a chance to touch the ball there. If Josh Allen gets the ball and doesn't score, then, you know, he had his chance. But at the end of the day, I think there will be a change in the coming period, uh, the next few years, where the NFL does really recognise that those kind of games can't be decided without both having a fair shake. 
if we if we go small sample size against large sample size, if if you win the toss in a regular season, you have a fifty two percent chance of winning the game without the other team touching it. Um, in the playoffs, uh, the team that's won the toss is ten and one. Um, that doesn't sit, and that's probably because wow. it. That's probably because elite quarterbacks are playing in the playoffs. And therefore, elite quarterbacks do what elite quarterbacks do and drive their team down the field and score a touchdown. So I think we all agree on that one. Boys, it's been absolutely... Yeah. Go on, Joe. Well, I was going to say one more thing. I love that defensive argument. Like, you got to play defense soon. Uh, the team that won didn't actually have to play defense in overtime. So what, I don't I don't like that argument. I'm like, yeah, you should practice what you preach on that one because I think the Chiefs were pretty just as gassed on defense as uh, the Bills. So yeah, it has to happen. There's no way. It, can you imagine if that happened again and the Bills lost again? They would be a riot. They need. They need. I mean, if that was one of our teams, I know we can't process getting that far into the playoffs. But you're like, I'm like, God, at least Baker, let him try for God's sake. I just, they have to change it. There's no way. I, I, and I said, final thing for me, my, my friend sent me a text and we were talking about the games today and he, this is quote for quote from him. If you come away from last weekend thinking defence matters above it else, it's time for you to do something else with your life. Um, yes, yes, that is unfortunately where we are. Um, both teams need to touch it. Boys, it's been a privilege as always. I will let you both go and I will speak to you next week after the AFC title game. Wait, wait one more thing. Any predictions? I got cheese. I don't know, it's crazy. I'm, I'm not picking anyone other than the Chiefs going forward, Joe, for me. Well, I'll pick the Chiefs, but I will definitely, definitely hammer the drum that the Rams will finally expose Jimmy Garoppolo for the fraud that he is. They, they have lot, In that game, the Rams, the, the 49ers have won the last six meetings and he's played in all yeah. of them, so that's unbelievable it's fraudness. It's really hard to beat the same team seven times in a row. Okay? So... <laughs> Let's hope so. Rams Chiefs sounds like a good a good event, a good event, and we will yeah, talk indeed. about it then. Cheers, guys. Pleasure, Paul. Thank you. What a show! Lots to talk about. Lots and lots of information. Absolutely fantastic stuff from everyone. Taib, Thomas, Callum, and Joe. Enjoy Championship game week. We will be back next week talking about it and then starting to preview a little game known as the Super Bowl. Until then, I'll let you go. Thank you and goodbye.